Action Park Media. And welcome to Pretty Depressed. This uh, episode is with the phenomenal Jimmy Hunt, but I've also teamed up with Seek because, well, a couple of reasons. I had some really interesting stats. If you're not aware, New Zealand is in this great job boom. There's heaps of jobs available and not that many people applying for them. Let me break this down for you. Okay, job ads were up 41% compared to pre-pandemic levels. That's August uh, 2019 versus August 2022. So it's time to take advantage of this great job boom. But I was like, why are Kiwis reluctant to make big changes? What's holding them back? Apparently 55% of you guys are reluctant to change jobs because they felt secure in their current role. 64% of people felt like they trusted their current employer and are loyal to them, which I totally understand. But 38% of you would like to move to a different industry or sector. And so it got me thinking, I was like, well, why are people resistant to change? What is holding them back? And how can I get an expert, Jimmy, who is just the king of making changes, feeling uncomfortable and doing it anyway? So I thought I'd bring him along and kind of break down some of these tokens that we can all put in our back pocket because change is super scary. But it means that we also might be living kind of like a half-life and limiting our potential. So I feel like I, (laughs) on the daily, kind of pursue a really fascinating career. But I also don't, on the other hand, have a lot of, you know, financial security and job security. So I thought I'd bring Jimmy in and we can get to the bottom of it, give everyone some tokens and some tools, whether it's you or a family member who wants to make these big pivots, these big life changes, and how we can do it in a safe, healthy, and exciting way that we can get super jazzed about. So I'm super grateful for Seek jumping on with this because I know that, I mean, they see the stats firsthand. They are right at the forefront of this this great job boom in New Zealand. So how can we capitalize on it? How can we be happier? How can we be healthier? And how can we do jobs and be part of jobs and part of work environments that, you know, light us up inside? So without further ado, this is Pretty Depressed with Jimmy Hunt. There are many reasons why I wanted to speak to you today and in anticipation for this chat, I was like, what is... (laughs) To To make a purposeful podcast... What can I talk to you about that I think is also not only the most beneficial to me, because I've got all the problems in the world, but to other people. And I I was getting a lot of questions about like people reaching out and going like, oh, what you do, like you're really brave or, you know, and I... It, I look at you as kind of like way ahead of me in your journey of self-discovery. But also when I look objectively at your life, I go, I feel like you're living it to full capacity, full noise, not living a half-life. I don't imagine the word um, bored, boring, um, complacent kind of falls in your dialect. And in parallel with that, there's a thing going on at New Zealand at the moment called the great job boom. So basically there's heaps of jobs and people aren't applying for them and they're trying to figure out why. So I was like, this is the perfect opportunity to talk to you because I know you talk to a lot of corporates and a lot of businesses about making life changes and making pivots. And we spoke um, previously on your podcast about how that can be nerve wracking for people to kind of like refocus and recalibrate. So my goal, I'll start this podcast with my intention for it, is 
to kind of talk a little bit and break down like confidence, what is so scary about change? Why are we resistant to it? And how, hopefully, combining our powers who are, you know, a little bit less scared in that world because we live in such a changing environment of how we can perhaps be helpful in that space. Um, I just talked at you for about 10 minutes. <laughs> no, no, it's it's all good. I got a couple of, I got a couple of points I'll start with. Um, yeah, okay. I got a li- I got a LinkedIn message from some dude the other day and uh, it was a thinly veiled pitch for his okay. coaching at the start and he's like uh, he says something like oh like you do cool things, but I bet you deep down you've got some burning desire you need to share with the world. And like, and and basically the insinuation was I can help you do that, blah, blah, blah. And I went back at him. I was like, bro, don't pitch on the first message. Uh, I'm good, thanks. And he, and he came back with a message. Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, he said, you know, there's very few people I've met that uh, have their, their desires and their goals align with the life that they live. And, um, and I went, I went down and I'm like, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this. This is my purposes, blah, 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 blah. And I said, actually, thank you for, for, for bothering to get me to respond to this pitch that I'm not going to buy. Yeah. Uh, but what it did was it allowed me to sort of take stock of how I live my life and sort of rebuttal to his, uh, to his insinuations. And I was like, I'm pretty well aligned with my purpose. Like I'm doing what I want to do. I'm helping the people I want to help and I'm living the life I want to live. And I'm extremely, extremely grateful for that. And uh, on this hike I went on yesterday, uh, so for the viewers at home, I I live in a place called Puerto Escondido, Mexico, uh, part of uh, living my best life, as they say. Yeah, uh, I'm like, I'm grinning from ear to ear because if you haven't Googled it, now would be a good time to pause and just go, oh, okay, great. Yes, Jimmy yeah, is definitely yeah. living the life we all, you know, aspire. I live in a Corona, I live in a corona commercial. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and, and so, and three days a week. The beer, not the heights. virus, by the way. Yeah, 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 true. We have to make that distinction these days, yeah. don't we? Uh, and three days a week and the hills behind Puerto, uh, me and a couple of guys take groups of tourists hiking and we have 47 different hikes. It's all great. But yeah, yesterday we went on this big hike and there was a guy called Tom. Tom was from England. Tom liked to ask a lot of questions. Uh, so he said, what do you do? What do you do? Where's this? And he started asking me all of these things and he sort of was just a bit in awe of the fact that I had made these choices and he's just like, like how, 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 and you know, that's kind of the setup for what you want to talk to today yeah. is that it's the same, you know, Duncan Gardner, mm-hmm. Gardner, uh, he's a, he's a brick was a breakfast TV host in, in New Zealand. And every time I was on the panel of the breakfast show, he would, whatever the topic was, he'd go, you're still living in Mexico. I'd be like, yeah. He's like, uh, and the house is still that cheap? I'm like, yeah. And you still do this? I'm like, yeah. And it just blew his mind every single time. He couldn't understand how someone had made a decision to end up in Mexico, to travel for work, to live the life that I do. And it just blew his mind. And it blows so many people's minds, which is exactly why this is the topic we should talk about today. Because I'm telling you now, listeners at home, it is not as hard as you make it out to be in your head. 
Well, let's dive in on that because what are the the things? So people thinking it's too scary, uh, probably. Fear, fear, fear fear is the big giant bubble, right? Fear is the thing that stops us from everything. And then then you could have had 20, 50, 100 things that we list under there. Um, And and it ranges from everything from, you know, from family issues to job issues to just straight anxiety to cultural issues, like any of those. And there's a million in each of those that you can go into and it's fear and it's mark twain that said something like you know 95 percent of the things that we worry about in our head never happen um i butchered that paraphrasing but that's that's basically the gist of it right we worry about so much stuff that in reality either is not going to happen or if it does happen it is but a tiny fraction of the catastrophe that we thought it was going to be mm-hmm. and so the question is how do we overcome those fears and we're going to tell you that right now. <laughs> right after this. We got your attention yet, New Zealand. And this is not a New Zealand specific issue. It's just it, no. it's surprising to me that, you know, I, I spoke with someone at Seek because I was like, I want to get some stats on this. And yeah, apparently uh, job ads are up like 41% compared to pre-pandemic and people are just not applying them, not getting the application. So people are not even thinking that there could be greater and better for them out there. So if you and I think that it's, you know, or you're saying, and I agree with you that it's fear-based, we've got all the excuses in the world. How do we shift that mindset, especially with Kiwis who are, we're not our biggest cheerleaders. So how do we start to make some baby steps? Well, I think there's two points to that. And I want to sort of rebut seek in regards to okay. you know, people are afraid to change jobs. We're seeing around the world a uh, a move towards, I don't want to work for another company. There are more and more people who are going out on their own, even from things like YouTubers and TikTokers, mm-hmm. through to starting my own consulting consultancy business and whatever it is, so that I get to work my own hours, so that I get to set my own prices. And a lot more people are just taking bigger control of their lives. And that is a really big step. That is a change. That is a pivot. And I think that's really powerful. And it's not being represented in stats like like that Um, but there are I mean it was more for them like I think and not in defense of them but in the in the stats they were giving me because they are literally a job application site like they're just seeing from what they've got they've got you know higher paying jobs people can upskill or pivot and they're just not seeing the amount of people really capitalize on what that you know quoting is this great job boom in New Zealand and so like how can we encourage that but I I also totally agree there is post-pandemic people are like I'm now am I living to work or working to live and what is that look like. Exactly. One of the big issues for a lot of people in taking uh, an upward mobility job market is imposter syndrome. So many people feel like they're not quite qualified for it, that that they won't be able to do a good, do a good enough job, that if they do do it, then they'll get fired. And um, you know, on my podcast, which you have been on, I did two episodes with a woman called Alison Shamir, who's only job is to talk about imposter syndrome uh, because can you, of this. Can you break a, it down in case people haven't had an aha moment and know what that is? Could you just define? Yeah, so 
Yeah, so I mean, imposter syndrome is basically feeling like you're a fraud or that you will get caught out any minute in what you are doing. So for example, if I'm going to come on this podcast and you're asking me to talk about change and pivoting and, and, and things like that, and I don't feel qualified for it, you know, leading up to this podcast, I'll be like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm on Kim's podcast. I'm going to mess it up. They're going to, there's going to be comments. People are going to write and say, he didn't know what he was talking about. And that's what I'm afraid of. And so when you say it, I'm like, oh, actually, Kim, I don't think I can do that podcast. Sorry, you should find someone else. So that's imposter syndrome. It happens in jobs. It happens in acting. It happens in speaking. It happens in podcasts. So it happens all over the place. Um, but it's just a, a general lack of self-belief that, that we can do the job that we've been assigned or chosen to do. And so it's just another fear-based paradigm around that that paralyzes us and being able to move forward. And so, yeah, so that is a that is a part of, of one of the problems of why people won't take that jump upwards. And then you look at the economy right now, you look at the world right now, and there's there's a lot of good financial reasons to not risk too much and try and stay in, the, stay in the same job as well. Because, you know, there's, I guess this is a really good opportunity to say there's, uh, there's kind of two types of anxiety, right? There's the anxiety in your body and there's the anxiety in your mind. And so when the anxiety hits your body, it almost becomes an irrational anxiety. And it's like, oh my God, oh my God. And you start freaking out. You end up going into the sympathetic nervous system state, your fight, flight, freeze. You start dumping glucose, cortisol, adrenaline to your body and start, you start doing all of those things. Mm-hmm. Whereas the anxiety in your mind is more about actually weighing up, hey, uh, what's going on right now? Now, I've stood on stage in front of thousands of people. Do I get anxiety before that? Yeah, of course I do. Like pretty much everybody does. And I have the ability to stand there and go, I'm qualified to do this. I've done this hundreds of times. I'm very, very good at this. They will like me and everything will be fine. And so, so I, I can really put those, uh, I can weigh up the, the pros and the cons uh, of what I am doing problem with a lot of people when they do that is they heavily weigh the cons and so so good you're so right it's usually exclusively cons what could go wrong rather than what could go right (laughs) well speaking of my own experience yeah yeah okay shout out to one of my favorite people on the planet alex druniak i love you so much she is my photographer you commented on my photo of my whole zoom she she took that photo she's coming uh over to new zealand to walk bits with me to take some photos she's one of my favorite people and she was having this really big sort of crisis about what to do and she'd worked for someone else for a while she wanted to go on her own she was scared what if it doesn't work what if all these things and so i said to her okay I will give you your worst case scenario. Are you ready? She's like, sure. I said, you go out on your own. You fail. You're shit. Nobody wants you. You go broke. You can't pay your rent. So I send you a one-way ticket to Mexico. You come and stay in my house. And I will buy you tacos until you sort it out. That's your worst case scenario. Which sounds pretty great. 
Yeah, like almost tank, tank it on purpose. In yeah, order yeah, to- yeah. <laughs> I see your tactic here, but this is good because people listening, maybe yeah. they're trying to encourage someone else to be bold, you know, so that's great. Yeah. Lay out worse. But so one of the, like one of the, there's a, there's sort of a saying that I'll butcher again around homelessness is homelessness is not when you lose your home. It's when you lose all your friends. Right. So, uh, that's the thing like we have and we should have and hopefully we've cultivated support networks around us and i know i know that if i fail on what i'm doing worst case scenario i have to go live with my parents at 42 years old right but that's my worst that's my worst case scenario and my parents are awesome so i got no problem with that but i also have friends who who would take me in and and sort me out and get me back on the right path mm. and the sort of the the really big the really big point here is that if you don't fail at a bunch of stuff, you're never going to succeed at anything. You know, you're you're a classic Kim in acting world. How many how many interview uh, how many uh, what are they called auditions? auditions. How many auditions if, oh. if they told you to fuck off? We don't like you. Well, you know? never to my face. They've never been there. No, but behind <laughs> your back. Uh, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and and that's you why you have to fail. That's why I didn't want to I didn't want to do this topic alone because I was like, I also don't want to sound preachy because I do sit on the side of the coin that I've I've also become very comfortable being uncomfortable. And that's one of the things that I'm I'm also well aware that it didn't that wasn't an overnight thing. You have to have multiple failures and and realizing that on the other side of failure is growth. And I will say that I would do this all again and I continue to pursue this career even though there's so much failure and heartbreak ahead of it because there's also this amazing growth and I'm so grateful for the person I am I've living a full life like my biggest fear and my fear for my friends and my peers and the people that this podcast might be hitting home to is that you're living a half life out of fear like you're not taking those risks you're not having those experiences and you're making all these excuses And it's like, as far as we know, you know, whatever your belief system, but as far as we can be absolutely sure, we might only get one shot at this. And my mom always told me, my mom's a ballet teacher. My stepdad was in motorsport. So I came from parents who I'm also understand that's a privilege who did creative lives, but they're like, life's going to be hard anyway. Life will humble you anyway. You may as well be pursuing something that at least brings you some joy. Otherwise, what are you doing? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You might as well fail and be miserable at something you love than fail and be miserable at something you don't love, right? You're going to fail and life will figure it out. Like life humbles us in ways we can't prepare. But I mean, yeah, I mean, I think you're completely right in that. And it's just one of those things. It's like, do you want to, and this is no... It's no dig at people this way, but like, do you want to work 65 years, pay your taxes and die? Or would you like to follow whatever your heart leads you towards? Because this is where we sort of get down to it, right? Uh, I believe that there are three uh, places in which we make decisions. The first one is your head. Uh, We know this. We just talked about this in regards to fear. Usually it's our head that is making all of these, oh my God, this will happen, this will happen, this will happen. And then this, and then we catastrophize all the way down to 47 degrees of this is how it's all going to go wrong. And the thing about when we think with our head is that 99% of our thoughts in our heads are, are wrong. 
we're just we're just wrong about them. Uh, we know very little in the grand scheme of things, like minuscule amounts. And so, most absolutely majority of the time, the thoughts in the heads are objectively wrong. And, and this has been proven through studies and science. Now, the second place that you make decisions from is your heart, right? And so, you know that you know so you follow your heart. Uh, and all that sort of stuff. And we've all done it. And whether it's for love and it's fallen apart and made a catastrophe or led to something absolutely fantastic and lifelong, or whether it's around doing a thing that you love is, you know, following your heart in that direction. I'm giving it a 50-50 chance, right? <laughs> half the time it's going to work out really good and half the time it's going to work out catastrophic but in that catastrophe you'll probably learn some really good lessons because you're in the right place to learn lessons mm. and then there's the third place that you make decisions from and that is your gut that is your instinct and when we look down at that space and we think about the times we made gut choices without really thinking about it and we go how often were they right you're like well quite often <laughs> Like yeah. pretty, like most of the time, my, my my gut choices were right, and they led me in the right direction. Whether it's something like, you know, I was walking down a dark street and I just felt like I had to run, and so I ran. And then you know, you you hear later that there was a robbery or an assault on on that street, and you're like, oh, I don't know where that came from, but I had a feeling, and and I ran. Or it's like. Look, I wouldn't usually make this decision, but I've just got this gut feeling that I need to go and talk to this person or take this job or whatever. And you're like, yeah, and it, and it pretty much always ends you up in the right direction. And so in terms of pivoting, in terms of creating change between something that you're so used to and comfortable with through to something that makes you uncomfortable and is what I call the great unknown. Mm. I'm much more likely to be to sit quietly and try and feel my way forward towards that decision from my gut, maybe a little bit from my heart, than I am to sit down and think my way through that decision with the pros and the cons. And that process has never led me astray. That's a good one. I have, I'm going to run you by something that I did or used to do. And it actually really helped a friend of mine. And you can, you can judge this as an exercise if this is going to work or not, but yeah. um, I believe it was in Miranda Kerr's book, treasure yourself. And then I kind of tried to adapt it a little bit in my book. Um, Love you back when I knew everything at 25 years old, when I, of peaked. course, um, <laughs> Well, on the other side of that now. Um, but I had this exercise called a perfect day. And I just thought for fun, um, I would go, okay, what do I want my day to look like? What does it look like? Where do I wake up? What do I spend my time doing? Who am I giving my time to? And it's a great way if you haven't done this for listeners to kind of prioritize of what would you like your life to look like? And I'm sure, Jimmy, you could probably say you're yep. executing most days what that looks like. But it's a good way, you know, even if you're like, I don't know if I want to change jobs, Kim, or I don't know if I want to look for something else. 
if you wrote down in a fantasy land what your day looks like, um, and and that includes work. I don't mean just like drinking beer and on a beach. <laughs> actually, yeah. you know, being of service or being you know having purpose, um, yeah. and just see if your if your current situation does align with that, and if it doesn't, what kind of uh, path you could take. Because it took me, it wasn't until many years later that I was executing that perfect day. And now that perfect day has changed and it will continue to evolve and adapt at some level. But um, yeah, yeah, it was a good way so for Miranda, me to get out of my list of pros and cons. And again, I never think about what could go right. I'm always like, what could go wrong? <laughs> so, you know, something we also yeah, yeah. need to do. <laughs> so Miranda didn't make that up. That's a psychological exercise that uh, a lot of psychologists get. Sorry, Miranda do. Kerr for giving uh, you. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was good for her to share that. Yes. But, uh, you know, what we're really talking about here is conscious creation, right? Mm. So you've got, in order to, to I love alliteration, so that's just yeah. it tickled me in the, exactly the perfect ways. My ears were like, oh, alliteration. Oh, yeah, exactly. Uh, that's why you like my constant conscious choices. I did. And so, and so, so this is the thing, right? You've got to figure out who you want to become and then take small actionable steps to become that person. That's where that's that's the simplest thing, right? But where a lot of us fall down is on the first step. Uh, who do we want to become? And most people don't even understand that. They don't understand who the type of person they want to be, right? And so you can make it even really simple. Like let's just say the type of person you want to be is a kind person. I want to be a kind person. That would make my life better because I'm not so kind right now. I want to be kinder. Like, okay. Well, first of all, well done. You have made a choice to become something. And so you don't just sort of fall into being a kind of person if you're not a kind person, right? So you have to make that choice. So big step, well done. And then you have to have small actionable steps to be able to become a kind person. And so you might have to make those quite rigid to start with. So maybe maybe every second day in your diary, you have a thing that says, do a random act of kindness today. And then every third day, you've got send a message to a friend telling them that you love them. Or And then once a month, it's like send a, uh, a present to a friend to say how much they mean to you or to say thank you for something that they did for you. And, you know, you can put it in these quite structured ways to start with, but then over time, you can forget the calendar reminders and suddenly you're in this habit. And what you've done is the constant conscious choices. You have changed the, uh, the neural pathways in your brain through the process of neuroplasticity, and you've rewritten what your default habits, personality, behaviors, and feelings are. Mm. And so that's the same with if you want to find your perfect day, that's what you've done. You've like, this is what I want to become on sort of a bigger level. And then if, if let's just say you, you have that perfect day, another real big tip is to always make it visible. So that's why uh, calendar reminders, post-it notes, uh, like a perfect day is a perfect thing to do a whole A4 printout and put it on your fridge. And so you see it every single day, multiple times. And then you're like, right, what actionable steps am I taking today? Small actionable steps am I taking today to try and get closer to that as my reality for, for a day? Mm. Oh, 
that's so good. Um, on that note, so say, say someone is like, okay, Kim, okay, Jimmy, I want to do this. I'm going to start exploring this. Something that I know, especially Kiwis, because I can speak to this, are a little bit bad at is sharing their goals. <laughs> I feel yep. like we do them in secret. And yep. I've learned that I have the best results when I hold myself accountable. And the best way to hold yourself accountable is to share what it is you're trying to achieve, whether it is that you want to make a life pivot, whether it's you want to be happier, healthier, more financially yep. independent, more challenged, whatever it is. You got to share it or what happens is we fall right back into it because no one's checking in on us. And I I had to do it with my health. I had to hire an accountability coach because I medicate with sugar and it just makes me really unwell. And I need someone to, which sounds ridiculous, to be like, Kim, you need to drink water today. Like that's really as shitty and basic as it is. (laughs) And I I had to outsource that job because I was like, I am such a people pleaser. I have to get someone else on board to help me with this goal because I have proven over 30 years that I will not do it myself. So who am I kidding? So if someone is like, I want to make a job pivot or a life pivot, how do they hold themselves accountable? And more so, Jimmy, how can us as the friends or peers support that? Because it's very Kiwi of us also to kind of not be super stoked for someone who's trying to make change. <laughs> yeah, I, I, uh, that's that's a sad ending to that question, uh, but it's the well, truth. But the and I'm not meaning the, to be pessimistic. I'm just trying to call no, no, it spade no. a spade. No, like, no, it's, a, it's the truth. Yeah, yeah. So, so first of all, scientists are actually split on whether sharing your goals is good or is bad. Oh, and wow. there are. Absolutely. There are studies that show that you are more likely to achieve your goal if you do not share it with others. And then, and then there are studies that show that you are, it's just one of those, it's just one of those things. And the problem with studies like that is they're trying to get a definitive answer on one side or the other. When the reality is that people like you and I, Kim, we need those accountability partners publicly. And I know people who just quietly go about their business going, this is my goal. And then I'm going to go do this. And once I've done it, then I'm going to tell people. Right. And And so when I was in my, I have an issue with ego. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And so when uh, I started, uh, when I was in my, in a really bad place, I knew that I had to do something drastic to start moving forward. And, and I knew that I had a history of being unaccountable to myself. Mm-hmm. And so I wrote on my Facebook back in the day that I was going to lilo the Waikato River. A lilo, for anyone who doesn't know, is a pool float. Waikato River is the longest river in New Zealand. So I said, I'm going to swim a $8 pool float down the entire length of that river. And people were just like, Oh, wow. Okay, cool. You're an idiot. It's not going to work. Cool. And then this guy wrote, uh, when are you going to do it? And it was June. It was cold and I was unfit. And so I was like, oh, um, February. And he's like, cool. What date in February? I was like, uh, the 7th. And he's like, cool. I'll be there to see you off. And I was like, oh, shit. I'd made this big grand gesture in one Facebook sentence, but now I had these people that were like expecting it. Mm. And so I had no choice 
Well, I actually had two choices and, you know, you use the word ego, which is correct, right? So if I do not do what I have said I'm going to do, I'm going to look like a dick. I'm going to look like a liar. I'm going to look like an idiot. I'm going to look like a failure. And so my ego says, I have to go train. I have to go make this work. And then it was the same thing with the water slide. I just went on my uh, Facebook and said, I'm going to go, I'm going to build the world's biggest water slide. And everyone laughed at me. Um, but I made that call and now I have the Guinness World Record for it. And then. By the way, uh, sorry, side note. Yeah. Do you get a plaque or anything? This was something I'm like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got the. I got the uh, the framed thing. Okay, cool. Sorry, uh, just side yeah. note. I'm like, that's pretty bloody cool. Yeah, it is. It, that was that was a bucket list thing. Tick that off. Uh, and then, you know, what was it? A couple of months ago, I said I'm going to walk the length of New Zealand in November. And so everyone's like, cool, cool, cool. And at that time when I said that, I didn't have the money to do it. I didn't have uh, the things I needed. I've never camped overnight in my life. Uh, like all of these things yeah. say, hey, you, you can't do this. But for me to make myself accountable to, bigger, to, to a public group really just forces me from an egocentric point of view in order to make sure but my motivation is that is technically fear based because the fear is I don't want to look like a dick I don't want to look like a failure yeah. uh, but it works for me it works for you and it works for a whole bunch of people whereas a lot of people it it, it doesn't mm. uh, but what people can do is they don't have to go making it massively public but they can make it uh, public to what are called loving critics. And a loving critic is defined by uh, Harvard researcher Tasha Urich needs to be three things. They need to have your best interest at heart. Ooh, you, key, key. Yep. Key, very key. You need, yep. you need uh, to have a mutual level of respect. Yep. And they have to be willing to tell you the truth. Great. So I'm think about it. I'm doing a brain. Did you see me go somewhere? I'm like, yeah. I'm doing a brain yeah. checklist in my head. Yeah, that's so, great. So, so think about think about like uh, a husband and a wife in a typical average poor relationship, mm. and the the husband thinks that his wife is a loving critic, and. So they have a mutual level of respect for each other, hopefully. They have each other's best interests out, hopefully. Mm -hmm. But she is not willing to tell him the truth, right? Because the truth angers him. The truth sets him off. The truth makes him defensive. And so she will placate him with lies. So she is not technically a loving critic. Right. And then, and then you might have like a boss at work who uh, – or maybe even a peer at work who you have mutual level of respect for each other and they're willing to tell you the truth, but they don't have your best interests at heart. Not if right? there's a raise or a different job and it's yeah. between the two of you. Yeah. Okay. E exactly. And so the person yeah. just becomes a critic. Mm. Right. And critics are not helpful. And so when you have a loving critic, someone who's ready ready and able to call you out on your shit mm -hmm. and to be able to go, hey, Kim, uh, you said you were going to do this last week 
and I ain't seen you do it all week. So what's up with that? And you're like, uh, sorry. And the accountability partner, the loving critic can be like next week, I need you to come and tell me you have drunk water, at least two liters of water every day. That's not the hardest thing to do. I need you to do that. Now, if you need help making that a reality, here's some tips. Put alarms in your phone every four hours to tell you to scull a glass of water. Mm -hmm. Put post-it notes around your office saying, go take a drink. Mm -hmm. there's, There's all these sorts of things that we can do and be accountable for. And so that's how change happens. When we make it visible, when we take small, actionable steps in order to rewire our neural pathways. When we're talking about bigger components. So I've changed careers a couple of times. I used to own and run bars. I own, I did that for 10 years. And then I decided that, you know, that's a, that's a hard life. And I then moved into uh, owning a branding and design agency. Now, did I just sell my bar and then start up an agency the next day? No, I did not. I transitioned, right? And so I was in my spare time and after work and everything, I was designing stuff and I was getting clients. And then it got to a point where it was overtaking the bar work. And so I was like, cool, now I can sell the bar Mm. and now I can transition full-time to that. Yeah. Then after, uh, you know, a good long while in the design business, I moved into this space and do you think I stopped designing for clients? No, no. Like, you know, I was getting paid, you know, $200, $500 a talk back at the start, which is, you know, a, fra- a fraction of what I get paid now for it. And, and so I kept my design clients and I did all of this work in the background until it got to a point where I was like, I just started letting, I, I let my staff, as, the, as they naturally uh, quit or left or had to go, then I never replaced them. And then I let my clients drop off and then it's like, cool, I'm out of here. Now this is what I do. And so people think that big change requires big action. And it does not always have to be that way. Mm-hmm. We can make small actionable changes. And this is the easiest way to alleviate the fear. Because if I had taken, if I just gone, all right, stop that. Now start this. Well, you're putting all your eggs in one basket and you have a very good chance of failure. And at any of those stages, if my new career had failed, I would have been able to pivot back to the one that I had and put my time and energy back into building that one up. Whereas deciding to move to Mexico in about two weeks, that's that's all eggs in one basket. Yeah. So you've done both. You can speak to both. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> how do how do you how do you feel like we can empower people in our life to to make these changes? Like what what's a practical I know you said yep. like being a loving Not easy. Critic, but also yep. perhaps you're not that loving critic role. Perhaps you yep. are that wife in that story or you are a friend. Yeah. What is helpful? No, I've got it. It's easy. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's, it's really easy in that humans' biggest predictor of future success is past success, right? So basically what is also called confidence, 
Yeah. Right. So when we succeed, we get more and more confident. And then we are in our head, we're far more likely to succeed at the next thing we do because we've succeeded in the past things we've done. Right. And so some people are like, oh, you're just naturally confident. And you're like, no, like I've built my confidence over small successes. And so what happens is if you try and bite off these giant chunks and you keep failing at these giant chunks, it's very hard to have confidence. There's only like the people that do that are the classically delusional ones who are just like, no, I'm going to make this work. And they keep biting off big chunks and eventually they actually succeed. And that's wonderful. But for the majority of us, what we need is small wins built up over time, mm. right? And so, I mean, it can be as simple as asking for a favor. Like so many people are afraid of asking their friends for a favor. And so you can set your goal this week of asking people, just one person for one thing, Hey, Kim, can I come and stay at your house when I'm in LA? Mm-hmm. Of course. Of course. Thank you. I'm coming through Houston on the next time. So I actually can't. So uh, I won't be. Uh, but, uh, um, but give you know, us that, me gift, then take away. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, but, but for a lot of people, that's very scary asking for help. But it's, I mean, it can be as, it can be as simple as like, hey, can I borrow a cup of sugar? You know, like the classic ones, right? Yeah. And then you realize that people say yes. And then so you can then just start asking for more favors. And they're like, that's little wins. And you're like, cool. And, and those favors can be like, hey, um, can you help me by reading this screenplay I wrote? Can you help me just by giving your um, opinion on this PDF pitch that I made? And they're like, yeah, sure. And you're like, oh, cool, win, win. And then when you get these little wins, you realize that people don't usually say no to you. And if they do say no to you, it's for a very good reason. And if they do say no to you and it's for a very good reason, they usually go, I can't do that, but ring my friend Kim. She'll she'll help you with that. And you're like, oh, thank you. Mm. And then it's like, okay, try. Um, you know, you want to open a bar? Cool. Start doing uh, dinner parties at your house. And start start making drinks and start doing that and seeing if people like them and see if people like or 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 a restaurant you know make a little pop up before you you go out make a street cart before you do these things and we want these these small actionable wins build us confidence and then allow us to get to delusional levels like I am now uh, I don't I don't believe that. I can fail at much. And if I, if I do fail, it's a good thing because it's going to lead me in the right direction of achieving whatever is the next thing after that. It's- that, that. That's really, I'm glad that you kind of like tied that up with that as a little button because you're right. The more you do it, the easier it gets. The more you make change, the more you pivot, the more you ask for help. I'm so good now about asking my friends or partner or parents like what I need. Like, hey, I've got a big 
um, audition today. Like, um, I, I just need to focus. So don't call or text, but like, please, when I wake up, have sent me like some nice compliments. So I'm feeling good. Like I just put in an order. Words of affirmation. Give me them. But I need them, you know, because my own devices, I have negative self-talk and I'll just ruin them. I'll find a way to self-sabotage my morning. So I'm like, cool. I've got to set myself up for success. And so, yeah, I definitely empower and encourage people. Like if you are making change or wanting to make change, ask your friends and family, if they are not your loving critic, perhaps like yeah, what yeah. it is you need from them. Be like, I need to tell me what I'm good at. So before I go into this job interview or before I submit this email or I don't know. Um, yeah. um, on on our on my podcast, that when I was talking to you, yeah. uh, we talked about words of affirmation and how both of us need that. And okay. this morning I was telling you, I was, I was bleaching my wife's hair. My yeah. wife has really rad purple hair, but it needs to be bleached every once in a while, obviously. I have become the expert at that because uh, there are no quality hairdressers in Mexico. And even if you do, it costs a fortune, not Mexico, in my town. And um, and so it came out a little a little brassy today. And uh, and she's like, um, she didn't mix the the whatever the stuff is that actually bleaches it properly in quite the right ratio. And I'm like, but the application was good, right? She's like, yes, Jimmy, you did a very good job in the application. (laughs) Wash my hands of accountability for this. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah, both both you and I are the same. And just please just tell us we did okay. Oh my God. (laughs) What was your favorite compliment? Mine is good. Like I need to be told like good job, good work. Yeah, that kind of thing. Like the word good. Do you have yours? Uh, no, I don't think I, I don't think I have one. I just like for somebody like me who is just of service in pretty much every facet of my life. Yeah. I just want to know that I did a uh, sure a good job that I that I did a good job and that uh, it was it was well received and it was it was worth it and so and that's. That's the that's the win that I get for more service, and like my life is to be of service, but it only got to that place because I got the gratification of the service over and over again, moving moving upwards. I like that. I like that your drug of choice is just like being helpful to others. What a, what a delightful. <laughs> Yeah, it is a hundred percent my drug of choice. Like, yeah. uh, I, I mean, you talked about sugar. We're talking about like actual drugs, alcohol, whatever. Like, like my drug of choice is the feeling that I get inside when I get an email, an Instagram message, or someone saying to me, "Thank you so so much." I got it the other day. I so on a hike. Um, this guy's wife read my book. Well, I didn't know she. I didn't know she'd read it. Yeah. And she, I'm talking to these couple of people at the end. She comes up and she goes, Jimmy, you're my hero. You'll never know how much this has changed me. Thank you so much. And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, uh, uh, you only just you. started the hike, Karen. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, thank you. But, but she said, you know, she said, oh, and, and she walked away. She's like, I read your book. And I was like, oh, 
like brilliant. Like what a, what a wonderful thing. I just about cried and it just lifts my heart and just gives me a feeling for like, it's, it's a drug for like 24 hours. Mm-hmm. And like, that's why when uh, the studies are done around things that are good for your mental health, volunteering is a, um, is a, is a category that comes up a lot because everyone studied who goes and volunteers walks away feeling much, much, much happier having taken time out of their day to do unpaid work to help someone else. Yeah, and it does. Anything that you do and take the spotlight off yourself to be of service, it always does feel, But you know, it is a two-way transaction that makes you feel good too. Um, I can't remember. Kim, Kim, just before that, just before that, I just, this is a really big caveat to that that just sits in here really nicely. And that is, that is, if you do not ask for help, then you're a dick. And the reason you're a dick for not asking for help is not only are you not getting the help that you need, but you are depriving someone like me or you or anyone else of the opportunity to feel wonderful. Like that is why you need to ask for help. Okay. I love that. You're right. That is a caveat worth pausing for. Um, I have, I always ask everyone and I can't, I don't believe I asked this in your episode, but what does your brain look like? What does it look like up there? If it was a scene, a scene, like some people's brains look like a house and some doors are locked. Some rooms are comfortable. Some are nightmare. Mine is like a woman staring at camera covered like are surrounded by filing cabinets and she looks frazzled. Like she knows she has all the information, but she can't find it right now. Like she's always in a bit of a right. panic. What are your uh, brain? Yeah, that is, that is a hundred percent yours, Kim. Uh, <laughs> you are correct. Well done. People are like, uh, give her a cup of tea. Give her the Dewey Decimal <laughs> system. Why has she not yeah. got an iPad? I'm, like, I'm working on it. Mine is the great unknown. Mine is yeah. mine is the expansive universe. My brain is the universe. I am the universe. And so when I close my eyes and I go inside, I am infinite and I am connected to everything in that infinite. And I have the ability to be able to go off at light speed and faster than light speed in any direction possible to find what I need from someone else or something else to be able to then bring it back to my consciousness consciousness and then be able to apply that to my life. Yours is the best answer to what is your brain like the healthiest and most exciting. (laughs) (laughs) Mine's so zoomed in. Zoom out, Kim, zoom out. Like that's so funny. Um, uh, I think a cool way to wrap up would be just like some final thoughts on this topic. It's the great job boom in, in New Zealand. Like what would you, Jimmy, as a peer, as a fellow Kiwi, like what are some like, I guess, closing notes to to people who, you know, want to take advantage of this and who are sitting there exactly as we said in fear. What's your message to them? I posted something on my Instagram yesterday that I'm just going to look up. And it is a Reddit uh, thread on Ask Reddit. And it was written... Uh, so it was asked by mildly hot potato. Uh, they asked, old people, what is a fact young people should know before it's too late? Oh. And Guru Scotty 
Those two words don't usually go together. No. What's your guru's name? Scotty. Uh, but but we'll, we'll, we'll let him have it. Guru yeah. Scotty says, there's almost nothing in this world you need to give a shit about. Do be kind. Do be considerate. Do be generous. Please be compassionate. But your actual obligations in this world are nearly nil. And the number of people whose opinion you should value or give the slightest damn about is also close to nil. So go on, fly your freak flag and be excellent to one another. <gasps> that gave me goosey. Yeah, to two. Uh, that's yeah. Guru Scotty for you. Look, <laughs> look him up. Scotty. <laughs> But, hey, thanks, like, Jerry, but next episode, point. guys, we're, gonna- <laughs> yeah, we're having Guru Scotty on it. But that's, that's the reality. That is the reality. In, in, in the big scheme of things, in the grand scheme of things, you are the most important. There are very little people that you should care about their opinions. And those people are what we talked about, loving critics. But even loving critics can be wrong because what most people do when they uh, think about your life is they project their fears onto you. So can I'm I, not sure you Can I caveat that? Caveat? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Caveat it? Yeah. I'll put caveat on it? Yeah, go. One of my biggest aha moments in going to therapy was that my therapist doesn't have a dog in the race. Like, if you're on the border of, of going to therapy or not, but you're like, no, nah, it's cool. I talk to my friends and family. Exactly what you're saying. Like, And I know this doesn't need to be a, a poster for therapy, but just because it's so on that note. Your friends, yeah. your family, your coworkers, you're right. Even if they're trying to be objective, they they yep. have a dog in the race. So of course, yeah. your parents are afraid that you're going to fail, and that's the that's the their biggest fear in you. the world. Yeah. yeah, like the person they love the most in the world could fail if they do this. Yes, mum, but I could also win. And yeah. and then then there are people who are like, uh, I don't, you know, you should think about getting a real job, Kim. Oh and God. the truth you know is, the, no, I hear, isn't it time to plant some roots? And I'm like, I'm not yeah. a tree. I can travel. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, the, and the truth is when they were 16, 17, 18, they tried to be a model and, uh, and they got shut down or they tried to be an actor and they got shut down or they tried to do something that they love and they got shut down and they failed. And they are projecting that onto you. And so you've got to be quite careful about whose advice you're taking and where it is coming from. And so fry, fly your freak, freak flag. flag. So says Scotty. But Good. that's that's the case. Like as cheesy as this shit is, yes, you said it. We live once. And you know what? You can even just do. I did a. I did a search because I was like in anticipation for this. I was like, "What job am I qualified for?" And I could be a lab tech or a fisheries scientist. And I was like, oh, "Hey!" And it actually was a fun exercise. I was like, "What am I qualified for?" I was like, "Oh, yeah. you know." And I'm, I'll stick with acting for now. But it was cool to just see what was available. I was like, and then I could picture myself doing. It. But it's ex- an exciting exercise to just have a little play. Well, that's just like I'm probably qualified for data entry. And so that's also a good motivator, right? Yeah. It's like to, to make me make sure that I'm really trying my hardest at what I'm doing now to be as successful as I can. So that the only thing I have to go back to entering data into a spreadsheet, uh, I could probably do something else, but in theory, uh, you know, that's, that's a motivating factor to, to help me yeah. live the life that I choose. 
Um, I love you with all my heart. Thank you for tackling this subject with me because I did have imposter syndrome of trying to do it myself. Every time I speak to you, I feel so excited and joyful and inspired um, because you are you are really of service to me in that. I think, you know, if you want to, you are the people you surround yourself with. And every time I've connected with you, I feel like I elevate myself a little bit as well. So I'm forever grateful for that. Um, well, good work on all of those words of affirmation for me, Kim. That was uh, that was a really a good it. list and I appreciate it. I know you do. I know, I know you very much do. And I very much enjoyed this, which is, you know, not my standard topics. Uh, it's my standard life, but not what I usually talk about, which is awesome. Yeah, but I think sometimes it, when people are talking about making change, it's much more exciting to hear from someone who's been doing it their whole life and is living an awesome life than like, yeah. you know, I just was like, who's the, where, what's the end of the spectrum <laughs> that I know and can get? No, it's good. <laughs> um, it's good. I love you with all my heart. Go have an amazing day. I'm sorry, Mercury's in retrograde for two more days, but we'll get through it. <laughs> we will. It's all good. Thank you very much for having me, Kim. Oh. I love you right back. And as a little tag, um, if you guys are in New Zealand at the end of November, you can head to Jimmy's website, which I believe is at jimmyhunt.com. Correct. You can go there. He's walking the length of New Zealand. I'm going to tap in in the most convenient spots near me. But you yeah. can, if you want to do something bold, why not do this and, and join him for part of it? And, you know. Yeah. I'm assuming it's you're November, December, January, February. It takes a while to walk the entire country. Country, so you know any time like of ignorance. How long does it take? <laughs> uh, I'm doing it very quickly, and I will do it in about a hundred days, so three and a half months. Usually, it's four and a half to six months, uh, but I'm in a hurry. Um, but you can come and join me oh for days. God, wait, is that a real thing? It'll take you about it's a real thing. Days? Your yeah. poor feet. Okay, well, make sure you check out jimmyhunt.com because I think it'll be what a cool little thing to do with your life. Um, I love you dearly. Go enjoy your day and thank you. Will do. Uh, I love Jimmy so much. I hope you guys enjoyed that podcast. Now is the right time to make your next move with Seek. Head to seek.co.nz. Do what I did. Even just... Go there now and just have a little flirt with it. Look around, see what's available. And it might start to light that fire within you, give you that confidence, take all of those amazing tools and tips and tricks that Jimmy taught us as well today and put them into action. I love you all. This is Pretty Depressed with C.